0: Welcome to Star Wars Comics and Canon, the force is strong with this one. Hello there and welcome to Star Wars Comics in Canon, your guide to the wider Star Wars canon through the comic book lens. And to take you on this journey, I'm your host, Mike Burton. And so brings episode 94. So, my friends, I am here with yet another bit of High Republic content. We are getting near the end now. This, as well as two other pieces, I think, are then going to be all of the High Republic content for the whole of Phase 1, aside from the last two book reviews that I have got. So, let's dive right in. So, this is going to be the High Republic comics Eye of the Storm 1 and 2. They focus on Markion Rowe, who is the main antagonist for Phase 1 of the High Republic. These comics take place in Phase 1, Wave 3. It is the last piece of chronological content. So this takes place after... Everything in the High Republic we've had so far. So it's during or after 230 years before the Battle of Yavin, and there are parts within issue one which are slight flashbacks that I'll get to when we get there, but that's generally the time scale. I would also strongly recommend if people have not already read The Fallen Star or the last High Republic comics by Marvel, then you go back and do those things because this is going to have spoilers for those pieces because there's a certain big event that happens in the third wave of the first phase of the High Republic and that event is yeah, heavily referenced. If you haven't read the Fallen Star and you haven't checked out the Higher Public Comics, then you can check out my episodes on these things. So the Higher republic Comics, I tackled in episodes 84, 88, and 92 of Styles, Comics, and Canon. And the Fallen Star book review, I tackled two episodes ago. So the Higher republic Comics, I'll go through all of the comics. I'll go through the plot details and add additional content and information about trivia and planets and species, those sorts of things. And the book review starts off completely spoiler free. And then towards the end, I give people plenty of warning and then I give a general of the plot so if you want to find out those things go check out those episodes so with the releases of these eye of the storm issue one was released january 12th 2022 issue two was released march 2nd 2022 and the trade paperback collection was released march 3rd 2022 however it's not called eye of the storm the collection is called jedi's end and is actually the high republic comics volume three it just also includes these two issues of eye of the storm The writer of these is Charles Saul, the artist is Guillermo Sana. the colour artist for both issues was Jim Campbell, but he was helped out on issue two by Antonio Fabella. And to clarify the other pieces of High Republic content I need to do before delving into Eye of the Storm are going to be Trail of Shadows, The Edge of Balance manga, and then the book reviews of Mission to Disaster and Midnight Horizon. But with that all in mind, let's get into things. So, the first issue is called Act 1, and is called Roe, and this details the history of Markeon Roe's species, which is the Evereni. They are blue-skinned humanoids, and as I said, the history is within these pages, and they're from the planet Everon, and they spoke in the language of Evereni, which is a native tongue, and that means stewards or caretakers in basic. So the issue starts on the Gaze Electric, which is Marquion Roe's flagship vessel, and is mentioned that after the fall, which is referring to the events in the Fallen Star, which I'm now going to give you guys spoiler warnings for, that was your warning, the event in itself was Starlight Beacon being destroyed by the Nile. And Marquion Roe says, you're afraid of me, and there's a reason for that. And then we go on to scene one, which is called The Truth. And there's a little sentence after each of these scenes, so I read those out to you each time. So, the truth. In which people learn valuable lessons, and are greatly changed by them, in all ways but one. So now I'm going to do a very brief summary of the Evereny. That's what this main issue is about, and then it details Markian Rowe's childhood and whatnot. So, the Everenni are from a hostile, tempest world. There's tons of rain, there's a lot of harsh winds, there's bolts of electricity everywhere. It's very, very harsh and difficult to live on. The Evereni embraced this. They changed with the planet themselves. They believed that if they took care of the planet, the planet would then take care of them. Then a once-in-a-millennia vortex destroyed the vast majority of the cities and many of the Evereni. They then learned that they couldn't actually trust their home anymore. Then, after years of believing in institutions like governments and things like that, massive war broke out and it carried on for centuries due to there being a lack of resources and then people losing faith in the institutions because people are selfish and then, you know, when there's not a lot to go around, some people will hoard things and then that caused mass distrust, those sort of things, which led to the Evereni people just not trusting each other at all. Now the numbers kept reducing and reducing, and then the remaining evereni left the world. They were fighting quite a lot and when they left the world there's like images of them in spaceships and then they started just shooting each other and destroying each other which obviously cut their numbers down even less. And then when they met others they then would kill those as well because they had no idea how to interact with other species and things. When they did this that then led to retaliation by species or groups of people that had far more resources than they did which then caused even more wars to break out but between the Evereni and non-Evereni people which then led to an even higher decline of Evereni Population. The Evereni then learned to manipulate and deceive people to turn others to their purpose, rather than coming at the gates running and attacking them. And that has forged the Evereni people as very manipulative and also very clever and cunning individuals. So that's a very brief summary. So move on to scene number two, which is called the lie, and this is set around 20 years before the events of the first phase of the High Republic, so about 20 years before Light of the Jedi. So the lie. In which a small family of ever any wanderers in a time of the High Republic finds something they have sought for generations. So you've got Markeon Rowe speaking with Mary Santeca. Now, Mary Santeca is a human who is over a century years old. She was kidnapped from the Santecas decades prior, and the Santecas believe that she was lost. There's more details of her kind of sprinkled throughout the High Republic books. I think The Rising Storm and Out of the Shadows are the two best places for information about them. And while Marquion is speaking to Mary Santeca, she is in this strange pod machine, and then you see Marquion Rose's father, called Asgar, watching. Now, Asgar, you do get some more information about Asgar in the audio drama, The Tempest Runner, and. That's written by Kevin Scott, and I have I didn't really fully tackle that, I kind of lightly touched upon it when I did my rising storm review, but it is worth it and it gives a lot of information on the Nile themselves, on Markion Rowe, on his dad Asgar, and just the dynamics of the Nile with the eye of the Nile, which is obviously what Markion Rowe and his father Asgar was before him. So while Asgar is watching Markion, he is there as well with Asgar's mother, who is obviously Markion Rowe's grandmother, and she is called Sharla. So they have some discussions, Asgard and Sharla, while Marcion is speaking with Mary Anteca, and Sharla calls Marcion the blade's point. So it says that every generation of Evereni has made this blade and it gets sharper and sharper and sharper, and now Marcion Rowe is the culmination of that. He is the point. So Charlotte and Asgard then start to argue. Asgard wants to use the Nile to attack the Republic, use the paths that Mary Santeca provides to them, and use it to go on the offensive and try and wipe out the Jedi. However, Charla does not want to do that. She's seen what the Jedi can do, and she says she needs the time to be right before doing that. Asgard then retaliates by pushing her off this balcony they're on, and she just dies as she splats on the floor. And this is all happening while Marcion Rowe is still speaking to Mary Santeca. Now, while Mark Enro looks at people, he seems to see people in a very peculiar way. He He looks at them and sees them as skeletons or corpses, things like that. So he seems to see people kind of as dead individuals, which I think is quite telling on how he views people. So after Asgar killed Sharla, he then goes out to this campfire. And there's characters called Pan Yata and Kasav who are there. They are both Tempest Runners of the Nile. Now Pan Yata is a Dawatin, and Kasav is a Weequay. They're both in Light of the Jedi and the Rising Storm, and then Pan Yata is in the Tempest Runner as well. Around this campfire, Pan and Kasav are discussing leaving the Nile, but then Asgar's ship comes into land. So they stop talking, and then they address him when he comes out. It's confirmed that they don't respect him. They respected his mother. They respected what she did for the Nile. But Asgard hasn't proven himself at all. He says that that's fair. Well, you can have the entirety. You can have my flagship. You can have the paths. You can have everything you want. If you can kill my son in a ship. So they obviously decide to take them up on that offer. They fly out to just outside the planet. Out of the atmosphere. And then around 15 plus Nile ships. Then start to attack Mark roe so Markion Ro manages to avoid all of these things because Asgard comes to Marisanteca and says to activate the battle paths. That happens, and then Markion Ro is just appearing and disappearing all over the battlefield and is destroying many, many Nile ships. Asgard is telling Markion to stop because the Nile have then surrendered, but Markion is not listening at all. Asgard then has to threaten Markion and says that he'll just take the paths away from him and then he'll be stranded out there with lots of vengeful Nile trying to get him, and then Markion Ro does power down his engines. So with that all sorted, Asgard then bargains with the Nile, and he and Marcion get to control the paths and take a cut, but the Nile get all of the glory. The Nile are all receptive to this and are thrilled to be involved. So that leads on to the third scene of this comic, which is scene 3, The Kill. In which, through the power of the paths, the Nile have become much more than they were. An eye closes and an eye opens. So this is now ten years later uh, from the events we just saw, which is around 10 years before Light of the Jedi. So you've got Asgar Roe who's laying on the ground, beaten and bleeding heavily. Markion is standing over him and completely ignores him, takes the helmet off of him, and then just walks away. Markion then tells the Nile that Asgar is dead, and they say to him very similar things to what they said to Asgar in the previous scene about how they don't respect Markion, they respect his dad, his dad had vision, etc. etc. And they ask him, do you have vision? And Markion confirms that he does as he puts on the helmet. And then the final panels of this comic shows that Markion sees many dead Jedi falling into some sort of a black hole in his mind when he's referring to this vision of his that he has. And that's a really abridged version of Markion Rose's history. There's a bit more in the Tempest Runner. It goes into the death of Asgar there and things, but... That's generally all you need to know about Marquion Roe. He did hate his dad as well, very severely, and I believe he's basically the one that either killed his dad or was just let his dad die when he could have helped him. So we move on to the second and last comic, which is called Act Two, Markion. So before the first scene, we get to see Marquion Roe, who has Master Obertuck in chains. And Marquion Roe shows Obertuck the destruction of Starlight Beacon via a hollow. Now, Obra Tuck is a character who I tackled in the last two High Republic Adventures episodes that I did. So I think that was episodes... 90 and 93. If you want to start from the beginning of that then you can choose episode 86 and that details the High Republic Adventures comics and that's where Obratuck is from. He also appears in the Midnight Horizon book as well which I have not yet tackled on this channel but he is hundreds and hundreds of years old. He is a par one. They as I said live for centuries. They have like four leg tentacles two arm tentacles. They have a mushroom head three eyes. They do all kinds of bizarre things but they were in the Clone Wars uh, animated series. That's when you could first see them because there was a bounty hunter in the episode that Obi-Wan goes undercover and stuff. But yeah, Obratuck Glee is his full name and yeah, much more details about him in the High Republic Adventures episodes I've done. After Obratuck is shown these hollow vids of uh, Starlight Beacon being destroyed, he's just staring in horror and can't really think. on Roe is basically pushing it in his face saying that I am the one who caused this. I am on Roe, that sort of thing. And then it moves on to scene one, which is called The Wreckage, in which a group of powerful people realize the depth of their failure and questions are asked. So in this part, it goes back to Coruscant, and it's basically a big discussion between Chancellor So, Alina So, and also all of her advisors. As well as her advisors there, you've got Yariel Poof and Grandmaster pra Vitter. And Yariel Poof, you actually get to see in The Phantom Menace. He is um, hundreds of years old. He's a Quermium. And then pre tree Vitter, I think he's just in the High Republic comics. But anyway, this group of advisors and these two Jedi discuss what to do about Markeon Rowe. So tells an admiral to send the fleet out to the Outer Rim and try and A, dispose of the Nile, but also help the Outer Worlds that may be affected due to Starlight Beacon no longer being there. She also wants her intelligence person to find out as much information about Marcion Rowe as conceivably possible. Spare no credits, just find out as much as we can about him. And then it's confirmed that the Jedi are actually withdrawing from the galaxy. They're all trying to get all their members back to Coruscant because they need to discuss how to proceed due to those attacks by the creature that we saw in The Rising Storm and The Fallen Star. And is also detailed in this comic as well a bit, which are called The Nameless or The Leveler things like that. The leveler was the first one that Marky Omro got and then he got more of them and they were called the nameless. That's kind of the species. They feed on four sensitive beings and suck them dry in essence and then calcify them, basically turning them into stone. And... Because the Jedi have no real idea anything about this, they are quite terrified. And so they need to withdraw and work out how to, where to go from here. Lina so asks about Emmerich Kaftor's investigation, which is detailed in the Trail of Shadows five part mini series, which I will be tackling in a couple weeks' time. Uh, I was going to do it for this episode, but it's such a busy week for me. At the moment, I only had time to do these comics, so apologies for that. But Pratri Vita says that They don't understand how or why these beings solely affect force users, so the small amount of information they did actually get from Emoryk's investigation is not sufficient. They're in the dark. They need more. And so we move on to scene number two, The Hunt, in which the source of Markeon Roe's weapon against the Jedi is revealed, while its name and nature remain obscured. Now a lot of this has got Markion Rose narration over it. I'm not going to read that out for yourselves. It's part of the f- thing why I say, you know, although you can check out these episodes and get the general gist of what's happening in these comics, they are really, really good comics to read. You get a lot of information on what makes Markion rowe tick, how he perceives the world, and yeah, there's a lot of narration and a lot of stuff. It kind of reminds me a little bit of sort of Neil Gaiman, Alan Moore-esque style telling. Charles Saul has used a lot of words here, and not in a bad way, that's not a dig in any way, but he has used a lot of words and there's a lot of text and things to explain what's going on as well as some really really good artwork so i do recommend it for anyone anyone who reads the high republic in any capacity i think these two comics are essential so anyway, scene two the hunt, it takes place months ago, so months prior to the end of uh, phase one of the High Republic, and it shows that Markion Ro goes on to find some more of these nameless beings, some more levelers. He enlists seven warriors of the Nile and then brands them. He tells them a story to rile them up and get them on his side and to kind of, you know, get them enthused, get the morale up, and then takes them, as well as several Nile ships, to a new world. It's surrounded by electrical clouds, and as Markion flies through there, right at the very back after all these other Nile ships go in there. All these Nile ships get electrocuted and zapped by these giant lightning bolts and get destroyed. But On Rose's ship just manages to fly straight through. And he thinks to himself that Asgard was right. And it was basically that you need to sacrifice people to actually get onto the planet. So Markion Rose's ship lands and the Seven Warriors come out, and it's confirmed that the world is teeming with life. But Markion does comment that the world will defend itself, so be careful, as he kind of points to a carnivorous looking plant. Marco Rowe uses a crystal that has been put on the end of a staff. It glows purple, and you get to see it from the first volume of the High Republic Adventures comics. I didn't realize how much the, this Eye of the Storm uh, two-parter would actually connect with the High Republic Adventures comics, but the artifact that Mark Rowe uses to control the levelers, or Nameless, he gets that in the end of the High Republic Adventures first volume, uh, so Yoda and uh, a grand species called Elder tromac I think. Go and try and find it. So if you want more information about that, go back and check that episode out. So when Mark Enroe uses this crystal on a staff, creatures from the world around attack. Him and the Nile start shooting them and attacking them and things, and after quite a few have been killed, the Nameless then emerge. So the Nile then get the restraints. They manage to get these beings onto the ship, and while they're on the ship, one of the two remaining Nile, because the other five were killed Planet Side, asks about the Nameless. Mark Unro explains their power, how that they'll kill the Jedi, and just basically says that a lot of the things we already knew from reading The Rising Storm and the Fallen Star. This Nile then questions Mark Unro why, and Mark Unro is unsure really why he wants to kill the Jedi so much. He's got loads of reasons in his head as to what the reason could be, but he doesn't really come to the full conclusion. And there's a note that says if Marco Unro was self-aware enough and could look inward enough, then it would be because, and this is to quote Marco is basically subconscious, that I am all that matters, and I do not like people who do not matter telling me what to do. So he's just a control freak to the utmost extreme degree, and he wants to be able to do whatever the hell he wants, and so he basically kills anyone in his way. So this leads us to scene 3, The Triumph, in which no one tells Marquion Roe what to do. So Marquion Roe rallies up the remaining Nile, and he tells them that he wanted freedom from the Republic, and he has created the Storm Seeds. Now he created those from the help of the Martyr Chansey Yarrow who died in the Fallen Star. And she created something called the Gravity's Heart. And the project succeeded and that's what created the Storm Seeds. It will keep sections of the outer rim in the hands of the Nile. And then it shows some Republic vessels going towards where the Nile would be, as per what Chancellor Lena So requested at the start of this comic. And they get to certain points in hyperspace and then things start going a bit strange and then massive explosions happen and it shows that the, just a huge amount of ships get destroyed, as confirmed that anyone who enters the certain sectors that have been marked off by the Nile without permission will die. It is then confirmed back on Coruscant that there are ten full sectors of the Outer Rim that have been essentially sealed away due to these Nile storm seeds that have been put down. And the Chancellor is very concerned about this and doesn't really seem sure what to do. And this leads us to the final scene which is scene 4 the end in which things end. Markion Rowe tells Obratuck that he has won. He's defeated the Jedi, he's destroyed Starlight Beacon and things, and he's got all of this just weight behind him that he can use. And he then uses the purple leveler staff. A leveler or a nameless being then emerges and turns Obratuck to stone, slash calcifies him. And then the final panel of this shows Markion Rowe saying, My favorite thing is when someone who believes they are strong realizes they are weak. And the reason is me and that is the end of the two eye of the storm comics so obviously i did breeze through those but it's basically just a big history lesson on markeon row and also his people i would hugely hugely recommend people pick these up either on marvel unlimited or physical copies or wherever you pick up comics please check these out because they are really good the artwork's great and although i did glaze over quite a few things that there's so much more for you to delve into here there's so much dialogue and there's little parts here and there that i missed out that aren't explicitly relevant to the wider canon but are really interesting parts within the story so i do really recommend when people pick those up but what have you got coming up then well next week I'm either going to do the fourth volume of the Podamarin comics which I think I am but I may do that or I'll end up doing the Trail of Shadows five-part miniseries it's going to be one of the two and then whichever one I do I'll do the other one the following week so long as none of my other plans and things change Then what have we got after that? Well, I'm going to be tackling the Crimson Rain batch of comics soon as well. And there's also some IDW publishing comics as well, which are the Vader's Castle comics. I obviously did one batch of those in October. I'll probably do a second batch soon, which will be Return to Vader's Castle. And then at some point, I'll do the third batch, which is Ghosts of Vader's Castle. There's also some other IDW publishing comics I want to tackle. There's Clone Wars Battle Tales I want to tackle. There's like, Adaptations from young adult and junior novels. There's Luke Skywalker: Weapon of the Jedi. There's a Han and Chewie adventure, Smuggler's Run. There's a few other bits and pieces there, so I'll probably end up tackling those too. But obviously, in amidst that, I am now currently reading Mission to Disaster, which is the junior novel of Phase One, Wave Three of the High Republic. So I'll release a book review of that in the next month or so too. And then after that, I'll do Midnight Horizon as well. Uh, And then once I get Edge of Balance, which is the manga, that should be delivered to me in the next week or two. Once I get Volume Two of that, then I'll probably do one episode on those two volumes as well and then once I so once I've done the two book reviews, the manga Trail of Shadows and well, I think that's everything, that'll then be all of the higher Republic content until October when we get Phase 2. But obviously, between now and then, I've got the IDW stuff, I've got two volumes of Poe Dameron to do, I've got, we're on the fourth batch of Crimson Rain comics, so I've got four of those to do, and then as well as some of the other bits and pieces I've got going on. And obviously, in a couple of weeks' time, I'm going to be doing a Kenobi weekly show as well. So lots and lots and lots of Star Wars coming out of my ears. But If you want to keep up to date with me, follow me at Genuine Chit Chat on Instagram, Twitter, and on Facebook. You can also listen to my Genuine Chit Chat podcast, which if you haven't already, it's on its own feed. If you're listening on YouTube, then I thank you greatly. If you're not, please go over to my YouTube channel, link is in the description, and please get me up to 100 subscribers because I can change my channel name, which is something I've been wanting to do for a while, or the link to my channel. But on my YouTube channel, there's video versions of conversations I've had with people like Paolo Villanelli and Kevin Scott, who I mentioned in this conversation. So people actually involved with creating Star Wars content i also had a conversation with claudia gray that doesn't have video to it but it's still on my youtube channel so on my youtube it's basically got all my styles comics and canon videos and all my episodes which have just got a nice little visualizer with them and as well as my Genuine Chit Chat episodes, as well as certain episodes that have got video to them as well. Everything's in nice little playlists. So you can check that out, you can subscribe on there, you can also rate and review and things on Good Pods, Apple Podcasts, those sort of things, and you could also, if you really want to help out the show and keep the gears running, you could subscribe to my Patreon, that is patreon.com slash Genuine Chit Chat. If you go over to there for as little as £1 a month, you get access to a whole host of extra content, mainly is the exclusive audio feed, so I release at least one episode of Afterthoughts on there every single week and that ranges from myself and megan doing movie and tv reviews or live show reviews like les miserables and the book of mormon but also myself just releasing things i've done a couple of comic books that aren't star wars related reviews i've also done a lot of star wars book reviews on there some are legends and some are canon so the canon ones i've done have been dark disciple a new dawn and last shot. And the Legends ones I've done have been Darth Plagueis and Shatterpoint. And I've just recorded my Darth Bane one as well for the first Darth Bane book of that trilogy. So if you want to support the show, you want to get even more Star Wars content, you want to get early access to stuff and all those good things, then please consider checking out my Patreon. It would mean the absolute world to me. I know a few more people have joined recently, but the more the merrier. But that's going to be enough from me, guys. Thank you, as always, for listening. I appreciate each and every one of you listening all the way to the end. Please let me know what you've thought about my High Republic coverage thus far, and if you've got any notes or tips or anything else you want to add, or if there's any content that I've missed that isn't, you know, the junior like sticker books—they're like twenty pages—or the little tiny comic strips and Star Wars Insider. If there's anything aside from those two pieces of High Republic content I may have missed, please let me know, and I'll be happy to tackle them. But that's enough from me, guys. I will talk to you next Saturday, and as always, may the force. Be with you. The intro for Star Wars Comics and Canon is arranged by myself, Mike Burton, and the backing music was made by Eric Matias of SoundImage.org. You have just experienced host, creator, everything else of Genuine Chit Chat, and also the host and creator of Star Wars Comics and Canon, found on the Comics in Motion podcast, Mike Burton.